Almost. 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 Major. 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 Holy fucking shit, this is major. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Almost Major, where we talk about many major studios and the films they release. Today we're on our 37th episode of our Lionsgate miniseries. We are talking about Urbania from 2000. My name is Kevin Tudor. I'm here with Charlie Nash. Hello. And joining us is two super special guests. We've had Gavin on previously, but Louis was too cool for school to join us, but now we have bribed him and he is here. The hosts of the Mixed Reviews, it is Gavin and Louis. How are both of you? Hi, hi, hi. Doing very well. So happy to be here to finally make it. It's been a long journey, I know, but um, to be blessed with all these um, beautiful gentlemen and all their hot, hot takes. Wow. Can't wait. I've never had a hot take. Everything I've said is (laughs) real, real relaxed takes. Yeah. Everything I'm just like, yeah, if you like it, I like it. Mm. And then everybody's just like, no, I would like to argue. I love that, Kevin. I'm not a fan of arguing. I've, I've never liked it. Gavin, I don't wanna... take some notes, babe, because you're really spicy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll calm man. it down. I'll calm it down for Kevin. <laughs> Please don't. Actually, put it put it on 10x. Let's ooh, do this. Um, ooh. Oh, ooh. <laughs> That's my shirt size, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and what recently have y'all been talking about on the Mixed Reviews? Yes. And also, now that now we're plugging that, I was on the Mixed Reviews to talk about a little somebody named Juliet Lewis, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, what recently have you been talking about? I believe there was Pam Greer. There was Michelle Rodriguez. Right. Well, uh, by the time this episode was up, our Pride episode will be up, which is our Anna Paquin episode. We just did that. And then also um, by I probably by the time the second episode comes up, our our next episode after that, we're doing a, a like larger, like a further back with Rita Hayworth. But also I do want to mention Charlie has also been on our show, too. Charlie was on uh, the Mixed Reviews to talk about oh, Jennifer yeah. Jason Lee. Yes. And on Charlie's episode. And I just want to say this. I did mention that uh, Bryden is not welcome on our show. He knows what no! he did. And I I just want to say that you started all those Canadian flyers. We that, know that is absolutely true and still stands bryden you know what you did and you're not no i'm i'm kidding please come on (laughs) 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 um but but bryden the the seriously uh the invitation is open anytime you want to come on uh but yeah and uh, we're a film podcast where we take two weeks and we do a deep dive on a subject a mini genre director and we you know we do a whole history and it's a very maximalist approach to the film podcast which I don't think a lot of people are doing, which is kind of nice because it's, but it leads to long episodes. So if you're not, not down for a long podcast, I'm so sorry, <laughs> sweetie, or maybe, or maybe not for you, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's great. Louis very funny, very knowledgeable. He, I could not ask for a better podcasting partner. Aww, so Gavin, it's just me defending Jennifer Lopez and Mandy Moore um, <laughs> all the time, <laughs> all the time. Um, but no, yeah, we have fun. And yeah, this last episode with Anna Paquin, Actual bicon. F- I have finally found the one good child actor, and her name there is Anna Paquin. It's, it's true. It's wild. It's wild. It's wild. Um, and we also have a Patreon. If you want to join our Patreon, and we our episodes Hell are extended yeah. on Patreon. So, like the Anna Paquin episode is like twenty two minutes longer than the version that goes out. Listen. So. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but me and Gavin are fucking talkers. Wait, we what? like to talk. We do like <laughs> oh, to okay. talk. I, I know. We, we have big thoughts and we want you to hear them all. 
<laughs> big thoughts and big thighs, baby. <laughs> that is true on me, at least. <laughs> All right. Uh, once again, we're talking about Urbania from 2000. No shock here. This premiered at Sundance in January 2000. This was nominated for the Grand Jury Award. It opened limited in the U.S. on September 8th, 2000 in L.A. and New York a few days later, etc. Um, this opened in 10 theaters, maxed out at 43 theaters. At uh, It maxed out September 15th, the week after, and that's the weekend we will be talking about in a bit. Uh, the budget is $225,000, opening weekend $72,000, a domestic and overall gross of $1 million. Top five films that weekend. This is the weekend after the weekend that we talked about for Way of the Gun, so probably a lot of the same ones. Uh, number one was The Watcher, which is a classic film. Uh, Bait, Bring It On, Nurse Betty, and Space Cowboys. And the only difference between Way of the Gun Weekend and this is that Bait is new this weekend, and the Way of the Gun Weekend had the sell at number four, so it was a better weekend. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen Bring It On. I have not seen any of those other movies. <laughs> you haven't seen The Watcher? Come on! Watch no. that terrible movie! <laughs> also, the backstory of that thing is that it made, like, the director basically blackmailed Keanu and made him sad. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Like, I, that doesn't sound um, even... Yeah. Also... Oh, it's on Tubi is famous last yeah. words. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> like, you don't start there. James Spader's in it. We, we've covered that movie a lot, actually, on the mix. We have. We Sadly. have. Marissa Tomei's in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It starts with Keanu Reeves dancing to Dragula, and that's all I want to remember, so it's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> it's um, actually a two-hour cut of just him dancing to Dragula. <laughs> I'd watch it. Put it on 4K. I'll watch it. Um, uh, did, oh, isn't Dragula also in The Matrix, where he goes to the club to meet... Yeah. Trinity? Oh, wow. Yes, but that is the famous remix in The Matrix, but in The in the Watcher is just the original version. And mm. um, the early, yeah, it's a whole the thing. The early aughts were yeah. such a specific vibe, like, my goodness. And I think Urbania also yeah. fits into that very specific vibe. Like, we were... Oh, yes. We were, we were searching for something, guys, okay? We didn't know what was out I, there. Yeah, I have, I have very specific uh, theories to tie. Both movies we're talking about together, but since we're just talking about Urbania, like, I actually think it's weirdly much more a creature of the 90s than it is uh 2000s i would say that but also it's 2000 so it's still shaking off some of the 90s vibes i I would say that about both of these movies honestly yeah (laughs) yeah number one song in the u.s this week is music by madonna and you'll never guess it number one song in canada this week is music by madonna hell yeah (laughs) it makes the people come together Mixes the bourgeoisie and the rebels. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. The music video had uh, Ali G in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, plot description from Google. Welcome to Urbania, where your life can change in a second. Can it really? What? Um, an, enig- an enigmatic and engaging young man named Charlie, played by Danny Dan Flutterman, has experienced a trauma, but he's doing his best Wait, did you just game. say Flutterman? He did. He I did, s- in fact, say Flutterman, but I, yeah, I'm a guest, I, so I will I'm, not correct him. I, I did a flutter, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but he's doing... Doing his best to regain control of his life, when he notices a mysterious stranger at a distance, Charlie comes to believe he has found the key to his recovery. As he travels to the city in an effort to encounter the stranger again, he meets old intimates and new acquaintances. This is all just about Charlie's time in New York, actually. Um, <laughs> drag. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Not the old intimates. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love to meet old intimates and new acquaintances. The old intimates. <laughs> Who wrote this guy? I have a drawer full of them right behind me. 
Yeah, the plot description from Google is if they're not AI, they're pretty close up there. Um, yeah, is... I feel I feel like that description is like mostly another movie. It's got like some of the finer points of the film, but yeah, if I read that and then I watched the movie, I was just like, what the fuck is all these urban legend scenes? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, a lot of the plot descriptions I found, I was like, oh, I, I guess I didn't realize like what a mystery the whole thing was. Obviously, all the plot descriptions are trying to not spoil it, but like, I got into that movie like and right away was like oh yeah it's his boyfriend he's been like yeah i was like yeah. it, it, it to me it was not quite as uh the shocking reveal that i think it thinks mm-hmm. it is um, yeah but whatever I, yeah I, th- I was telling you before or a couple of you at least before we even started that i found a theater review from the los angeles times of urban folk tales which is the play the movie is based on which is written by Daniel Wrights. And I think he has a co-writing credit on the screenplay. Yeah. And it sounds like it mostly takes place in the bar or outside of the bar. And it's mostly Charlie giving these tales or listening to them. But it it sounds like a very different beast than the movie we ended up seeing, in all honesty. Yeah. Probably not as many quick zooms and edits and whatnot, but yeah. No, I think those are actually in the play. I think those are in the script of the play. (laughs) Yeah. It's an Evo Van Hove production. Oh, God. It's actually, it's the same same play from Chuck and Buck. Anyways. um, (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) uh, I was on that episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like you were saying this is co-written by dana wrights and john shear directed by john shear this is the only thing he has either written or directed he was actually an actor under the name john matthews and he was in heathers from 1998 and in independence day in 1996 wow. and i tried to find pictures of him i'm like is that him i i, I don't know <laughs> the only i forgot is uh, someone who loves heathers and has seen it many times i was like who the fuck is this character in heathers and then i the only quote i could find is he's the one who goes up to an owner rider and was like this guy told us that you had a you and this guy had a little sword fight in your mouth last night and i'm just like oh god oh wow <laughs> like, he's that, that guy? guy he's that guy okay. where okay. it's like yeah I was hoping he was one of the dead gay sons. I know. That would have been amazing. <laughs> I love my dead gay sons. <laughs> Heathers, check it out. It's a good time. <laughs> Definitely. It's better uh, than Urbania. Sorry, Urbania. Wow. Hot takes already. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You said to um, bring it up. That's true. It's also, it's also just a little sad that that's that's like a time capsule of like, it was up for the Grand Jury Prize where it's like, it, it, cut forward to 2023, so many bad movies have won the Grand Jury Prize and yeah. so many movies have been in, you know, competition for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it just seems a little like grasping at straws there to sell this movie in whatever way they could, because if they they're if they told you what it was really about, no one would show up and uh, nobody did anyway. So, right. But like, I mean, I was reading about this movie, it was on a lot of top lists, right? Like, people, yeah. critics at the time, live, laugh, loved this shit. And I I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like it's such clear, like, um, snobbery, like, uh, late 90s, early aughts, like, film nonsense. Um, I don't think the movie's, like, horrible, but... Uh, no. You know, it, it's 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 kind of mysterious. It's spooky. It's like, what's going on? I don't know. Also, gay? Like question mark? Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was saying that. Of course, this premiered at Sundance. It is a Sundance ass movie. But also, like, I just have to say, for being up against Girl Fight and You Can Count on Me, this movie looks like it was an episode of Angel. Yeah, like it's directed <laughs> like an episode of Angel. And so it's just like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 
those are movies. Yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, you're very like, right. We just talked about Girl Fight, incredible movie. This, uh, I will, I will say, Mr. Dan Flutterman. His name's not Flutterman. I'm just being funny now. Um, he is. <laughs> he, it's Flutterman. That is a hot man. I was like, oh yeah, oh yes, oh I texted Kevin and Bryden and was like, shit, he's hot. Like, <laughs> like five minutes into this movie, that extended scene of him like raising his shirt, trying to jerk off. I was like, oh my god, we are going places. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was yeah. I was excited to see a new side of him as this podcast's only resident judging Amy fan. <laughs> I'm assuming. <laughs> so, yes, you're just gonna assume that and yeah, be correct. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I primarily knew him from the Birdcage, where he's just like, my dad's can't be gay in front of my fiance. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and then like, he gets yeah. gay revenge in this. So you know, yeah. he's also what message is he putting out? Gay revenge in Will and Grace. He is, he is Karen's cousin who's like a nerd. And she tries to get Will to like um, fly, make him like do a makeover, and then he turns into a hot gay, and he doesn't even want Will anyway. So I will say, oh no, Dan has been um, you know in the community for a while, <laughs> even though he's he, an ally at least. He's an ally. He 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 likes to play gay. He was he was brave enough to play gay back in these days. Okay, <laughs> back in the two yeah. thousands. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but now that I learned that also all all over the guy was actually based on a play that that writer just didn't do into a play and made into a script. Can we call this double feature gay for play? Yes, gay for play. Gay for play. Okay. Um, <laughs> all, all over the guy did. I I did think all over the guy got produced, but we'll we'll talk about it in that episode. But I do I do think it did actually go somewhere oh, okay okay yeah starring dan futterman as charlie he's also known as a writer he was nominated for original screenplay for Foxcatcher in 2015 and adapted screenplay for capote in 2006 prior to this acting wise like bryden was saying big girls don't cry they get even in 1991 like charlie was saying the birdcage in 1996 an episode of sex in the city in 1999 after this enough in 2002 and uh just like Gavin was saying, 76 episodes of Judging Amy from 1999 to 2006, A Mighty Heart in 2007, and Hello, I Must Be Going in 2012. What was I going to bring up? Uh, enough in 2002. I don't know why I was going to bring that up. That's a fine movie, right? Well, it's got a bit of a... I mean, it was really hated back in the day, and I've only seen bits and pieces of it, but I know it has kind of a cult resurgence now. Jennifer Lopez is enough? Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez, enough. That's an incredible <laughs> movie. The, the wig work alone stellar <laughs> how can that get bad feedback back in the day when angel eyes existed which is a movie that yeah, yes. doesn't exist <laughs> but i love louis I, loves angel, I love eyes. angel eyes oh <laughs> my goodness oh shit i've never seen angel eyes do i have to I watch would, that I like, this i know to be true louis loves angel eyes it's, it's a hard it's hard to love now because jim caviezel is not a good person but right. Um, oh right yeah but i actually just saw a commercial for for like some religious movie he about like <gasps> yes. saving kidnapped children and I was like do not put this on my TV is that on TV Roku <laughs> might be but Mira Sorvino is also in that I'm like girl no get out of here or is it Mira Sorvino <laughs> yeah I think so and it's literally QAnon nonsense like not good stuff wow wow not good stuff <laughs> <laughs> I like that that ended I'm... any conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, yeah. we must be going. A mighty heart. Anybody? Um, <laughs> I, monster in law. How about monster in law? I haven't seen that one. <laughs> is he in monster in law? <laughs> no, Jennifer Lopez is. <laughs> just right. You're like, I'd rather just not talk about uh, Dan Futterman if we could. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm fine talking about I Dan think Futterman. He, oh, Jesus. I do think he's very good in the birdcage. I mean, the birdcage is an excellent, flawless movie. Yeah. Um, and he's not allowed to be as funny as everybody else, but he does the role just well, as well. He's well literally as he needs to. He's literally yeah, playing the he's, straight guy. 
Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say he's the straight man, straight man in that yes, movie. The extra yeah. straight man. Um, but now I, that we're talking about Jennifer Lopez, let me tee this up here. Got it right there. And Anaconda in 1997. I was going to say, <laughs> oh, Anaconda? Boy. Is he in the best performance? No, no, Jennifer Lopez. Why are we talking about Jennifer Lopez all of a sudden? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> I love that we have so much to say about Urbania. <laughs> we'll get into it. I just, I'd like, I like tangents. What can I say? Uh, Paige Turco as Cassandra. Prior to this, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part 2 and 3 in 91 and 93. She played April O'Neil in the sequels. I didn't know that. Wow. Uh, 18 episodes of Party of Five from 97 to 98. After this, the remake of The Stepfather in 2009. Two different roles in Law and Order Ace for You in 2001 and 2011. Uh, Matt Kessler as Chris prior to this, Waiting for Guffman in 1996, Last Days of Disco in 1998, and Splendor in 1999. Uh, the same year, Psycho Beach Party in Scream 3. After this, Art School Confidential in 2006, uh, Masters of Horror episode Family, which we talked about because the writer of Frailty also wrote that, and mm-hmm. Law and Order Criminal Intent in 2006. Uh, Sam Bell as Dean prior to this, one episode of Sex and the City in 1999 again. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, what's that? It's Law and Order in 2000. <laughs> um, uh, the Last Castle in 2001, Pumpkin in 20, or 2002, and 13 Going on 30 in 2004. Also, Who was he in 13 Going on 30? Who was he? Cause I, he I was saw the... 30. Yeah, he was, <laughs> just to clear it up. <laughs> I'm, I'm just—he was thirty. I'm just imagining just the number thirty. He's in like yes. a suit. He's just in a big foam suit. Yeah, Jennifer Garner's like, I want to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that, that guy. Be, that would be insane if Jennifer Garner was just in a suit that just said thirty on it, just walking around. Oh, it's just—it's just that that episode of a uh, Drag Race where RuPaul was like. I just saw Dear Evan Hansen, and you know Deer was fighting for his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, Deer is not the main character in Dear Evan Hansen. Ben Platt's so wonderful as Deer. It's Deer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also featuring Alan Cumming and Josh Hamilton. Um, very funny that both of these movies we're going to be talking about have like famous people that are doing like the tippiest of tip spots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it's, like, and it's like literally Alan Cumming like on a weekend off of the like 750th performance of cabaret because yep, that, yep. that was 1998 yeah. when that was revived and he was i mean he clearly still has the same haircut i was just like oh boy he's really just he flew out there just to do this yeah also bill sage who i will forever know as the baseball coach in mysterious skin is in this and i just like <laughs> oh it was like oh god all right <laughs> like, good night folks thank yeah, you yeah, that was yeah. fun <laughs> kill bill music just started playing god, yeah yeah like that movie can never see it again <laughs> oh yeah, perfect yeah. movie but boy howdy yeah uh, yeah feel like you want to watch a gregor rocket movie sure how about mysterious skin how about no nope. any of his other movies <laughs> besides a, white bird and a blizzard come on just a <laughs> kevin tudor shaped hole in the wall before they <laughs> just even kool-aid finish. man just skin no. <laughs> <laughs> trivia this was shot in 18 days on super 16 millimeter a company called unipix picked up the movie from sundance but had money problems so Lionsgate took up putting the movie out the director john Shearer actually played the role of charlie when it was a play in la um i kind of understand this but it's kind of interesting but urbania was the first super 16 movie to use a digital process as its blow-up medium to get it to 35 millimeter gavin i feel like that would make sense to you more it does, and it and it absolutely looks like that, unfortunately, because I think at that time, it's still kind of untested, so it actually looks more like a digital film than it looks like a... Because I when I was doing the research 
for this, I was like, huh, did they shoot this on like fucking prosumer digital cameras? And I was like, holy if shit, only. they shot it on 16 millimeter, which is really a shame because there's, it's gonna, if it ever got like a 4K release, it would look terrible. <laughs> so getting, getting the new Lionsgate 4K Best Buy exclusive 4K. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and lastly, from an interview with LA Times in September 2000, John Shearer says that I have five scripts that I want to do and I'm primarily working on two of them. And unfortunately, that never came to be. There's not much information out here. I even skimmed through the commentary, and it's a lot of... It's a commentary that's fun. It would be probably to watch while you're watching the movie. It's like, oh, this scene and blah, blah, blah. Nothing I could actually take out and would be interesting trivia-wise. Hear any good stories lately? You hear so many horror stories about what's going on. What is your story? About this friend of a friend of mine. I know this one. I met this girl once in a bar. She steals his kidney, right? What's happened? It's true. Oh, I got a good one. And this one really happened. I swear, I swear. Charlie is a man obsessed by a tragedy he cannot forget. Your life can change in a second. Searching for the one who holds the answers. Looking for someone? This guy. Something happened. To a story that needs an ending. I finally figured out. What I need to do. It's another example of the universe saying, wrong place, wrong time. Just give me a second to figure out the ending. Stunning, says the LA Times. He guzzles and guzzles and he wakes up in days of white hot headlights. This really happened? Yeah, that's the best part. You can't take your eyes off the screen. Things suddenly, horrifically <laughs> fall into focus. You trying to scare me, Charlie? What did you do? You don't want to hear this. Dazzling. One of the year's best. Would you kill Charlie? Stop it! It's just a story, right? Just when you thought you were safe. Urbania. But uh, we got a lot of initial thoughts to get through. That's all the trivia I got. So, um, how about I go first? So, just to take all that off. Um, this took me, I think, three nights to watch it because I kept trying to watch it at like 1 a.m. And I was just like, no, nope. I'd rather watch Beavis and Butthead. Um, so but I finished I finished it today and it's it's something that the idea is interesting. I feel like like you were saying, this looks like an episode of Angel. This should have been like 30 minutes because once it gets to the reveal, that's when I'm very much interested. In, and that's a fucked up thing to say. It's like, yeah, once it gets to the gay hate crime, I'm into it, you know, but it's it's just very trying so much with and I'm just like once it gets to the reveal and I'm just like, OK, but what do what's with all the urban legends? I get that you're saying that, like, you know the thing that happened with your boyfriend is like almost something that it almost didn't happen. It could be just fantasy or whatnot, but it just hammers home that so much to not really be a thing at the end of it. So it, it it's trying to confuse you with all of that when really the reveal is very straightforward and not basic, but just very straightforward. Um, but yeah, the last like 30 minutes is when it starts to really start cooking because it's, you know, it's finally, you know, like you were saying, Charlie in our group text, you're just like, I have no idea where this is going. And for you, I feel like that was a bit more enjoyable for me. I was just like, can we get to the point? <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought, I thought the character that Sam Bell played was, I thought his, he was phenomenal, just how evil he was. And then that fantasy scene between, uh, Futterman and Matt Kessler, where he's pretending to tell him 
how he killed the guy who we think he just hurt Matt Kessler, but he actually killed him was really, really, really rough. And, um, I don't know. I'll have more to talk about other than that. Uh, would either one of our esteemed guests like to go next? I think uh, I'll go next because I think maybe I liked this more than probably all of you guys. Um, and not to say that I think it was like excellent or anything, but right away I was like, this movie is trading in a lot of queer grief. And like, I don't know anything about John Shear. I don't know what the fuck, how this script came together the play came together but like clearly there is something here that like and i don't know too many movies that especially at the time are talking about gays in this specific way showing hate crimes mm-hmm. this aggressive this violent um most of the movies were like all over the guy in and out like gays were funny gays were like you know the sidekicks to see this this aggressive and also they the reveal is that like you think um, you know, uh, Charlie, uh, he, his character, you're supposed to think like, oh, he's like going to go out and be a little slut, you know, like he, you think he's stalking this guy cause he's trying to get a trick for the night, you know? I mean, when he goes to the bar and he's hitting on the bartender after he tells him the story about how he got um, picked up by an older woman and the, and the bartender's like, no judgment, whatever. Like we all have our human needs. And he's like, all right, let's go fucking fuck in the bathroom. Then I was like, oh my God, this is horny. <laughs> Um, and the movie is mm-hmm. hor- the movie is horny, but the movie is also just so aggressively sad, um, and just like so like the desperation in Charlie is is so aggressive. Um, I you're right, like this could have been condensed way down, um, but I think like there are some parts I don't think work, like where he goes and meets like the straight couple, and he like is like, oh, I've been jerking off to you guys. I was like, this is weird, um, but. Yeah, I really like you. You're right, though. It does really kick it into high gear towards the end when it's like he's pushed like not only to his limit, like but beyond. Like he's re- he tells the ghost or angel of his ex, um, who is dead now, like I would kill for you, and he's like, but did you? Um, so I, I think like I appreciate it for like what a little artifact it is. Um, I have no idea how this movie got made. I it it made it, it made all of its fucking budget back, and people at the time really liked it. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very interesting um, like uh, not, time capsule, time capsule, but also like a strange clown mirror reflection of <laughs> our other movie that we're talking about later in the next yes. episode. Like yes. it's 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 like how did these movies come out within a year of each other? Um, this era also like a lot of the gay rights movement like is there's a lot of movement happening in that space, um, and yeah, this. Like, what, what, even now, what, what the fuck queer revenge movies do we see out there? You know, right. like, and this yeah. is, and this movie is one night, and this guy is just trying to go to bed. He can't go to bed because revenge. I want to pick up your thesis and kind of expand it out just a tiny bit too. Actually, um, I I didn't particularly like this one because I don't think it's very well made. That's my thing, but. Content wise, I do think that there is a lot of really good stuff here, and I think this mm-hmm. movie is much more revolutionary than the than all over the guy and i think part of that is is that yeah jesus i think (laughs) i think the the late 90s and this is a larger conversation about culture in general is there even though we were like oh we have bill clinton as president there was a a major push to push media back into a more conservative um uh, bubble in a way 
And I think that a lot of queer things, a lot of gay things, their only goal was the heteronormativity, like marriage. Mm -hmm. And what I liked about this movie was it's really radical in a lot of moments. I know you didn't particularly like the, the scene where he's like, I jerk (laughs) off to you because he's, he's pissed and like, Yeah. yeah, no normal person would do that. But I love that line where he's like, I really hate how you flaunt your life in front of us. Yes. Yeah. And I and there's a lot of little nods like that. Like the the trick he take the he does take on the soap opera actor who's like, Oh, I'm bi and oh, I don't get fucked. And he's like That's all he's I like, do. Well, how, <laughs> yeah. He he's like, How how gay are you gonna be? Like how and it's a very Harvey Milk sort of stance where it's like, No, we need you to come out. Yeah. Like anybody who's not out needs to come out now because we need the numbers. We need the liberation. And so actually, I do think this, I, I think you're right, Louis. I think there there's a lot of really good stuff and a, re, a lot of really, you know, like, what the fuck are we fighting for? If it's, is, is our, is our fighting for just so that we can, you know, be accepted in the streets as everybody else, but people can kill us behind closed doors, that people can just get away with fucking murdering us because they don't like our lifestyle but also it's totally acceptable it's that it's the thing with you know that we realized a couple of years ago and more than a couple of years ago at this point about racism where like everybody's like oh, we're in a post-racial society and it's like no we're not in a post-racial society it's just that people are saying it behind your back they're like yep. nodding and smiling and they're saying bless your mm-hmm. heart but they're really just being as racist as humanly fucking possible and this movie is saying like hey there is like a queer you know, there there needs to be like a reckoning with our queer identities, and it's not just about like coming together. And yeah, so it is a revenge movie, and there is murder and blood, and there's all these urban legends. But I I think you know the the movie is attempting to say something in terms of equating his Dan Futterman's queerness with like oh it's just a story people tell. It's just something that could never happen to you. Right. It's just a thing, you know, a myth. And I, I I did enjoy that about it. It's still not my favorite movie, but I do like that this movie was trying for something radically different than a lot of queer media at the time. And mm-hmm. the, the Alan Cumming portion of this movie also, I thought was very, like, moving and, like... Yeah. I mean, because even it, Dan Fetterman's character is kind of, like, straight-laced, you know? Like, he passes in this movie the entire time, right? He's passing yeah. as a straight guy. Um and then he goes sees his friend Alan Cumming, and I don't think they said explicitly, but he is ill. He has HIV. Like the friend, yeah, mm-hmm. he has AIDS. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like he has this moment where he's like, you know, you don't you don't come around anymore. You just want to like you want something, and and I, I'm not going to be here. So there there is a lot of like, even though I think the movie meanders a lot, and it's easy to like be like, oh, what the fuck is going on? Um, right, and it, it's also clear that their relationship at one point, whether like whatever it was was intimate at one point like they're more than just like close friends yeah and Mm -hmm. and i and i love that oh bud oh my god they say bud so much in this Mm -hmm. movie but that's the that's that's what exactly i was just getting at um but the i liked that as well too because there are in queer communities there are intimate relationships that are not like hey we're life soul partners we're Mm -hmm. you know we're everybody get married like i don't know old intimates it, it's funny because it did take <laughs> old intimates. <laughs> it it did take me a while. It also did take me a while, Kevin, as you were saying, to get through this movie. But I think I was keying into the finer points more so than I was liking the construction of it. Mm-hmm. So the but that's I 
<laughs> it almost made because I I thought like all over the guy was so much fun, and then I watched this movie and I was like, I'm mad at all over the guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, I yeah, I I don't know. I I do think that this movie has like really interesting, like radical points. It's just not. It's it wasn't uh, as well, but maybe it was really well expressed because I got all of that out of it. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Charlie, finish us off. Interestingly enough, and yeah, you mentioned it, Kevin, like, I was messaging you, like, I'm an hour into this thing, and I have no idea what what this is doing. <laughs> like, when I was like, the ending could either make or break this thing, and then about, you know, which is funny, because as soon as I texted you, and as soon as he met up with that guy, I was just like, oh, this is exactly where it's going. Which, I actually, for as meandering and as weirdly tangential as the first hour is, found that oddly more compelling on a story level just being thrown off balance by like the fact that he is clearly queer but also as everyone has now mentioned kind of an asshole to other people who um but but for like but i was always like well he's clearly got demons like there's something going on here he wouldn't just act like this out of just pure ego or something like that and then you know yeah once you figure out where it's going i was a little kind of like okay i Okay, we've we've been down this road before, but at the same time in 2000, I I have to remember, like, this was 23 years ago when this was made. It wasn't, as Gavin said, this is pretty radical stuff. And the most radical stuff I found to be just scenes that kind of like, like the hookup that doesn't go anywhere. Or the scene with, we mentioned now a few times, the Bill Sage scene. And then, you know, you get into the really heavy, violent stuff that I found to be obviously very, very tough to take. But it is a testament to Futterman's performance because if you had any other actor in this role playing this like very slippery manipulative guy, it could have been kind of like, it it might not have been able to pull me through at all. I was wondering the, the violence we've been talking about, like I was thinking about how a lot of movies today, I do not think would show us all the things that happened. And I think, yeah. Because just because like queer audiences like we can't keep seeing ourselves fucking die on the screen, right? Yeah. Yeah, I I thought about how Boys Don't Cry came out 2 years before that hand and that's thorny for a whole bunch of other reasons, but that is also kind of the thing where I was like is this, you know, there was that's one way to read it is our queer stories always that one queer character has to suffer and die in order to get like a sense of humanity or empathy empathy from the audience. But I, the other thing I thought of was um, weirdly um, how much I, I remember going to see it chapter two and I got a little stoned with a friend beforehand and we were like, this will probably suck, but whatever. And then there's that like horrific homophobic hate crime towards Xavier Dolan's character that immediately was like, but this movie's not really about that, you know, like you can't just show us that shit and like show triggering content like that and then just be like, well, you know, Pennywise and whatnot. And it's just kind of like, well, fuck you for rubbing my nose in that and not really, you know, just using it to be. And then all the look, I could go down to chapter two and all the ways that movie deals with queerness to piss me off. But I was thinking like how if this movie was made today people probably would have that. Do we really need this type of depiction of queerness and stuff like that when we know how, uh, you know, dangerous and uh, awful we're, you know, the LGBTQ community has had to to deal with all this shit to begin with. But then I was like, well, it is 2001. And I do like the fact that, you know, I like the fact that it does make him into an enigmatic figure where you don't really know what his 
Endgame is up until he meets that one character. And then it does deal with all the stuff. And then, weirdly enough, the film gets even more experimental, even though I felt like the more experimental stuff was coding stuff where it was like, well, it's obvious at this point what you're doing. Like, like we know. Like, okay, the quilt's on the ceiling. You're in a white room. Okay. Like, we, we get it, guys. But, like, at the same time, Futterman's performance is so complex and... Uh, achingly authentic that um it did leave me feeling pretty haunted by it as a whole there is a lot of stuff that the i was left with the rage and the, you know you mentioned uh louis like just queer grief and sadness and rage that doesn't really get depicted because even in 2023 while we have a lot more queer stories i feel like in especially mainstream cinema it's always like people kind of patting themselves on the back for tokenism and weird stuff like we have a queer character in star trek where they like hug or you know the you know marvel with uh they're you know one, one of the russo brothers played a good character like stuff like that so i'm like you know this it, it, it simultaneously feels like a product of its time but also still pretty radical at the same time and also does show us lots of upsetting very horrific sequences of hate and violence towards um you know the queer community that could not in lesser hands i think could come off as really exploitative but felt actually earned here because it is all of this scar tissue of a story that where the it's never going to fully heal for this character and i found that to be very moving can we talk about like how the 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 bad guy what's his name is it like neil or something um dean dean how he is aggressively coded as like in the closet, like self-hating oh, yeah. uh-huh. gay. Like not, yeah, yeah. not only is the moment where he is like, you know, at knife point naked or pants down and he gets a full boner. Um, but he has like these weird, like games that he's playing when he is like fucking with his, the people he's tormenting, you know, when they go to the cruising spot, he, I, to me, it was like he's liking this. He like this. Yeah. Is, this is like Dom play gone way awry into like self hating stuff. I mean, again, like so aggressive, um, and and to the point of like, I don't think the movie is like less because it shows us all that. Like I think because it was released at the time, it is able to do all that without the worry of like social media and like, you know, people being like uh-huh. outraged or whatever. Um, so I think it, there is a liberation of like this man making this movie. That's like, I'm going to show you exactly what the fuck, how awful and horrific this, these things can be. Um, which I think, you know, is uh, again, leads to like the radicalism of the movie. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, this is pre uh, glee where like all the, the, the bullies are actually secretly gay. Like this is, this is, you know, like, again, like it's just, um, this is not that it's, it's, it's a, yeah, I was going to say though, I think this is handled a little bit better. Cause I sometimes take no, 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 no. With, the, with the idea that like, right. Like, but oh, it, they only hate us cause they want to be us. But, right. the, mm-hmm. but, but this handles it so well, because you're right. It is, it is more, it feels like. Like it's something twisted that is ter- that has grown from his own self hatred, whether you know whatever's caused that self hatred over the years to build. I mean, even just the like slashing of Dan Futterman's chest and saying, "So you'll remember your mind." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah. is, oh, and, it's yeah. Over, and it's over his heart, like you know, the symbolism yeah. of mm-hmm. that. And again, like <laughs> the the Glee joke was not about like you know it has become a trope, but like this man killed somebody. Like this is not right. like. 
oh no who am i do i like boys like no this is like (laughs) this is an unwell uh person who hates himself so much that he kills and and there's no redemption for that like fuck this guy like honestly bitch i was like great then he did kill him the end (laughs) <laughs> There's also not even any mention of like any t- type of investigation, like police, nope. at all. Right? Like, nope. like, yeah. The the picture on the wanted sign is so terrible, and like Dan Futterman described this guy better to the bartender than what what clearly was you know yeah. police mm-hmm. sketched. The it's it's funny that we keep saying he killed him, but really he like Christopher Nolan Batmaned him, which is like yeah. I don't have to kill you, yeah. but I don't have to save, save you. you. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god! <laughs> he left him in a marsh having a seizure. A seizure, yeah. I I'm also I'm also being very silly by doing the Batman thing. I just always think that's really funny that in Christopher Nolan's Batman movie where he's like. I don't have to, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. And it's like, actually, that's the thing you do. Yeah, that's, that's the, that's what makes you Batman. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, I just kind of came on on my day off. I don't really feel like saving you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, but yeah, the, uh, no, I think, I mean, I think in, for all intents and purposes, he, he killed him. He killed him. <laughs> like, right? what, 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 like he's, yeah. no dead angel boyfriend. <laughs> I didn't kill him. I just left him there seizing in the middle of the night. Well, well, when I was watching that scene, it, it either through the editing where it's going back and forth from the initial hate crime to this point and whatnot, I was like, did he slit his throat like he slit his boyfriend's throat? It was very, I really couldn't tell at the point, but I was just like, oh, he well, actually just left him there. Well, so because I was, I was unclear for he, a bit there. He like is telling, he tells his dead boyfriend, he's like, isn't that a better story? There's a beginning, middle, end, like he's dead. Like I, and yeah, of course, like the great parallel, they, they purposely show us the flashes of like, him slitting his throat, him slitting his throat. Like, mm-hmm. the revenge is complete. Like, he did the thing. He can get to the the absolution of his grief, you know? Like, retribution has been paid. I can sleep now. Um, and the obviously, like, a, a great big, like, um, that's a fairy tale. We all know that's true. Like, revenge does not, like, heal the soul. Like, it is, it's, it's right. about moving on. And And the movie does the thing where he, like, helps the homeless guy, gives him a jacket and like acts of kindness. He, you know, maybe he's forgiven. He can finally sleep. It's, 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 this movie is about like this guy healing his heart, you know? Um, and he has to go through all these like fucking crazy things, um, to get there. Um, so yeah. Louis, are you saying that, uh, revenge is actually a dish that is best served cold or, you know, what are you, what are you trying I, to say? I think he's saying revenge is a dish best served warm. Oh, oh no. no! So you're saying that you can kill somebody <laughs> as long as you give a motherfucker a jacket, you'll be good. Yes, that's what I am <laughs> saying. Um, <laughs> that's the heart of Louis's argument. I feel like we kind of talked about the plot of it all. So there's that. I do want to say that the Wikipedia plot starts off very funny with the way it's worded. It just says, Urbania follows Charlie through a sleepless night after an unsuccessful bout of masturbation to the sound of his upstairs neighbors having sex. Yeah. Who among us? Who among us? <laughs> but to finish it off, Charlie, you brought up something about, like, you know, representation and whatnot. And, and in 2000, that's very much a big deal because, you know, gay movies were not as easy to make and they had to be made on fucking Super 16 and $200,000 budgets and get put into maybe 40 theaters and then this movie doesn't really exist. It's strangely on Peacock. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's wild, but 
I think now, and speaking as a gay uh, or as a straight uh, cis man, um, I was going to say, say, are you coming out, Kevin? No, no, no. no. <laughs> oh, wow. No. I'm so glad we could be here for this very special moment. All it, was, it, it, was, all it took was Urbania. Wow. All it took was, <laughs> you're like Dan Futterman, my heart. Oh, yeah. goodness. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to say that as a straight cis man, I'm going to say that it's it's not as now it is now that there's such an abundance of gay content in movies and television and whatnot do you really for that me i too don't much and you think it should be less in your face <laughs> yeah <laughs> we really we get what you're saying kevin <laughs> no that i'm saying it doesn't it doesn't really matter if if this is the right movie to tell because there's so much an abundance of them so it's not like oh we got like one gay movie for this year and it's just like okay but you fucked up this 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 and this is all we got and i feel like it's great that there's obviously in an abundance or whatnot i was it this movie that because i watched both both of these movies back to back but was it this movie when he meets the upstairs neighbors he was just like i don't like how you're flaunting your lifestyle in my face yeah, and i thought yeah, that was yeah, funny. It's this one yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i mentioned that during a really impassioned rant that i noticed you got up during so i just want to point that out to the audience that kevin was not here for my well thought out piece about culture in the early 2000s. Well, I was gonna, I, I was going to mention that line specifically and I think the reason why Gavin I was like, "Oh, whatever, boo." It's because I'm like in my 2023 glasses and it's like, yeah, we say that all the time, but I guess back then like that was pretty novel to say, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, but I also wanted to say like that fucking urban legend that they tell at the table is crazy town and it's like Whoopsie doodle. Welcome to the world of AIDS. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It really happened. It really happened. Like, okay. (laughs) Well, I do think it's interesting that Bill Sage and him are laughing, and it's obviously for different reasons. Like, you know, like, and she's just completely baffled by, like, I don't understand why that's so funny. (laughs) And and they never explain it, and then she just starts laughing. (laughs) It's also really interesting that it's the straight couple who tells that urban legend to a gay person. And then on top of that, the the review I found of the play, the like the the review specifically points out like she's the only female character in the play, and she is like cardboard. She is like not like it's a very unflattering portrayal mm-hmm. of of the oh, one wow. female character in the play, and it's like. Yeah, it's the same in the movie, truly. What do we make of the the story that the bartender tells about the woman who he has sex with in the bathroom and then it find you find out that like, you know, she left all of her her money to him and then their plane blew up or something. Like cuz I didn't know that I just I, you know, I just assumed that was also in the play when you mentioned it was a play and apparently cuz that does seem like kind of straight out of a play, like a one scene, like one act, you know one actress coming in for their one moment type of thing. So does that, I mean, I, I also, I assumed it's a lie because why is he still working at the fucking bar? And also, why is this point? Why is his haircut so much better in the story? (laughs) Yeah. He's been through things since then. (laughs) I, I also enjoyed that there's a good little exchange between them when he's like hitting on him and he's like, uh, he's like, I'm probably not that way. And he's like, probably. probably? And he goes, not. Yeah, yeah. And, but like, the, it, like he picks, like, I, I think he's picking up on the same thing you're picking up on, where it's like, there's just enough hints with the character that, you know, th- there's probably somebody he has said yes to. There's even a, <laughs> yeah, there's even a shot of him, like, when Dan Futterman orders a beer later on and 
like he tells him earlier on like oh i don't drink anymore and then he's like oh give me some beers and he's kind of like huh like <laughs> why this guy not me like you know like that type of like like close up i found to be kind of intriguing you know <laughs> this movie gives very um big regional gay film fest energy is what yes. I'll, is the final point i'll put on like You'll, yeah. you yeah like the the Philly Gay Film Festival and it's like the the grand prize winner it's giving very that energy yeah I'm not gonna lie I didn't think this was gonna happen but I was like because of the story with the kidney stealing at the beginning I was like what if the kidney people just show up and pick up the guy having a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> another day <laughs> because they're pretty much in that beginning intro and then they're gone so i was well, that, like well, i was gonna, gonna say i i did wonder there was a brief moment and that like i think it's supposed to be because he's not sleeping but like the woman from the kidney story shows get, up yeah later and there's that great speak i know you i know you said that there's not a ton of comedy but there's some nice sly moments because there's the guy who's like i got something eight inches for you and she's like great can i keep it when we're done yeah yeah that's, <laughs> i was like yeah that's a gag that's good it it's actually even funnier in retrospect when you actually know what her end game is and that she actually right, is keeping right. body parts yeah right and so um, i was like is she actually keeping body parts is that woman actually the one that's out there stealing body parts just talking to him did anyone else also think what if frogs just start raining from the sky in a very magnolia <laughs> style like <laughs> and it just cuts to like the i know guy the story just, it really see, happened but it cuts to the guy seizing and just frogs just like hitting him in the face <laughs> like and, and just like a little amy man yeah, over yeah. it <laughs> and it's not gonna stop god damn it uh louis to your point this was nominated for a glad media award la outfest philadelphia international gay and lesbian film festival and san, Fran san francisco international lesbian and gay film festival so there Wait, you san go. francisco's gay yeah what <laughs> aren't all their film festivals just you know um <laughs> You don't um, get to say that, Kevin. Damn it. He refused to come out earlier. Oh, man. <laughs> Next time you come on, I'll be ready. No. Um, so, yeah. Uh, any other final thoughts on uh, Urbania? Um, I, I I do feel bad. I do, I do think I did come on a little hot. But I, I do think it's good. And I do think it has a lot of radical ideas. And it, it, it does sort of suck that we're talking about these in this order. Because I had this whole, like, full-throated thing that I was going to be like, and here's what I feel about this. And here's what I feel about that. And now I've had to reverse it. So hopefully my analysis of all over the guy <laughs> makes sense. But the, but the, like this, I do think has a lot of radical, uh, still a lot of radical ideas. And still some of the things that like, you know, we queer people are still fighting for that. It's, I mean, it, it can't, it can't just be about assimilation. If, if assimilation is just, you know, people getting married and then fucking getting killed. <laughs> That's, you know, bum, bum, be dum, bum, bum, be dum, <laughs> bum. <laughs> Urbania. <laughs> the darkness that's is alive. Your is that your final thought? Yeah, the, yeah, the darkness is alive. Okay, and, that, and that's and, that's ending the pot. I'm sorry if anybody has any more <laughs> final thoughts. That's it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Almost Major. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please follow the pod on Twitter at Almost Major to keep up to date with what movies we will be covering in the future. Myself, I can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at Kev Bonesy. Bryden can be found on Twitter at Bryden Doyle and on Letterboxd at Jay Doyle. Charlie can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at CTNash91. Once again, thank you for listening. <laughs>